Hey everyone, it's Kevin O'Connor. AKA Kevin O'Bomber. AKA Kevin O'Concert. Kevin! Wait a minute, you're not Chris Vernon. No, Kevin. Sadly, I'm not as cherubic or as raspy as Verno, but it is I, J. Kyle Mann. And folks, basketball has been and continues to be so very good. That's exactly why Kyle and I are hosting a brand new basketball show on a brand new podcast feed, The Ringer's NBA Draft Show. We're going to have you covered every week as we go in-depth and deep dive in hopes of answering an ever-important question in the NBA. Who's got next? Whether it's an international phenom like Victor Wimbanyama or the G League Scoot Henderson or stars from Overtime Elite like Eamon Thompson, as well as a full-blown swarm of talented prospects from the promising 2023 NBA draft class. For sure, Kyle. And we're also going to get into players from the college ranks because this is a loaded class for us to discuss prospects rising and falling. And we're going to revisit and redraft recent draft classes and get into how the league's evolution could help inform what's valuable in a prospect of the future. This is a podcast for a fan of every team, whether you're losing and have high draft lottery odds or you're looking for sleepers later in the draft. We're going to be covering everything in the months to come, so please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Ringer NBA Draft Show. And hit us with those five-star ratings. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+. plus. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears. Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the full go. Love the full go. The full go. The full go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. And on top of that, that MJ trophy is whack. Yeah, they're all kind of whack. Yeah, you're right. All the it, it, all of them look <laughs> awful. And then the MJ one just I don't know what he's doing. It looks like he's trying to change a light bulb. No disrespect though. <laughs> no, <laughs> no disrespect. All disrespect.
It is always intended. I hate how just everybody just uses opportunity just to dunk on LeBron. It's like, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's getting, uh, oh boy, it's going to be one of those. I, I, I plan to talk about the renaming of the NBA trophies tonight. Um, it's getting weird. It's, it's been weird. It's been weird. Um, and I often, you know how we, we, we talk about like the players that we don't like or don't think are as good as some people think they are, but we're really never talking to them, right? We're always talking to the fans of them, right? We're always talking to the people who make it so annoying, right? Like, I remember when the Tebow thing was happening. Who hates Tim Tebow, right? Like, it's pretty hard to hate a big, lovable lug who prays every time he completes a pass, which is, you know, two or three times a game. You know what I mean? Like, who hates that guy? Nobody. Right? Unless you're just one of these people who are like, oh, I hate religion, I hate God, I hate that you love God. That's on you. Find just, you know, find whatever route that you need to take. I have long thought that atheism is a religion in itself, but you know, we won't get into that because then they're gonna come for my ass the way they're supposed to. You know what I mean? But no I don't know any people who were like, I hate Tim Tebow. It was always I hate Tim Tebow's fans. And then Tim Tebow would catch the shrapnel and he would just, you know smiling to the camera even though people were talking shit about him because that's the kind of Christian he was. You know what I mean? He's, he's one of them annoying-ass Christians who, like, smiles at all the bullets that they're taking. It's like, come on, man, how can I get to you if your God is going to protect you from all of this? <laughs> but yeah, man, like, we don't really ever talk to the people that we have angst about, right? Like, it's it's never those, like... Russell Westbrook, right? For as many people who think they don't like Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook is the definition of what all these dudes and girls, you know, ladies and guys out here, say they want in an athlete, which is go as hard as you can every time you're out on the floor. Now, sometimes that comes back to bite you in the ass, and then you start fighting with the people who hate Russell Westbrook or who love Russell Westbrook. This whole this whole LeBron thing, as we get, you know, further and further into this 20-year run, um, the fact that his kid is playing with, you know, Carmelo Anthony's kid 20 years later in a high school game is being televised is crazy, right? Because I remember watching that first game uh, on ESPN, St. Vincent, St. Mary's with my uncle and saying, hey, we should sit down for this because this is the next big thing. And watching that first Sacramento game, his first game in the NBA where he played his ass off, if you go back and watch it. And from those moments, to now, it has all been about what he hasn't been for certain people. And for people like myself, it's been about celebrating what he has been, which has been amazing to watch. Like, I don't know who is a fan of sport that can look at LeBron James's career objectively and go, eh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, eh, I can take it or leave it. Especially these mid. people. Right, right, right. Especially these people who are like, you know, like, if you're 50, 45, and younger, like, all you've really seen is one guy to have this argument about and LeBron, right? Like, the, the Kobe people, like, this Kobe thing that has jumped out posthumously is amazing to watch because it took for Kobe to die, to me, for this many people to start saying that he was the best player of all time, which, you know, objectively, he wasn't, right? And... 
subjectively, he could be your favorite player of all time. I, I understand there's a whole, you know, it, it kind of got passed down from, all right, all the people who love Jordan more than anything, you now have been passed the Kobe torch. <laughs> and, and, and you will never give up this Kobe torch because Kobe is Kobe. And, and, and we all understand this. Like, I remember having conversations with my buddies about T-Mac or Kobe or Vince Carter or Kobe. Like, it was in that realm. And then, of course, Kobe, you know, took off with those couple extra championships with Pau Gasol. And God rest his soul. I mean, he's the toughest He's the, he's the greatest tough shot maker I've ever seen in my life, and that's including Michael Jordan. Degree of difficulty shots, um, tough angles, uh, 17 pump fakes at the end of the career waiting to get you up in the air and still knocking down a shot where you're guarded by three people. I mean, the fact that he went out in his final game and did what he did, like, you know, that, that just shows you the kind of asshole Kobe was, right? Like, the things that we all celebrated about Kobe and all enjoyed, and the things that we hated about Kobe, some people at least, he, he gave it to you throughout his career. And we, we really didn't get a chance to celebrate him because, of course, of the helicopter accident. But, man, like, the Jordan thing got handed to the Kobe fans so the Kobe fans then could do the whole, he's the greatest and he's better than LeBron. LeBron's never had a chance of being the great. And it, it, all I know is by the time this thing is all wrapped up, the man's going to be top, what, top five or seven in three different categories that matter. Right? Like, like, what are we doing here? The man told one of the, the people sitting on the sidelines the other day that he's not going to shed any tears over winning the scoring title or becoming the all-time scoring champion. He said he's only going to shed tears if he wins a championship. And then, right before the ball is inbounded, he looks back and says to the fan, because I didn't even try to do this. Like, think of someone saying, I didn't even try to be the all-time leading scorer in the sport that I love. You know? Like, I, I marvel and, and appreciate those moments. And then you get the people, oh, you're a LeBron, you know, um, you're a LeBron stan, you know, you kiss his ass. All that. Hey, man, I appreciate greatness. If, if y'all are running around out here looking for scratches on a Ferrari, knock yourself out. Throw me the keys and let me have it for the weekend. That's, that's how I feel about my sports because I got a chance to watch Michael Jordan, right? I got a chance to grow up in his formative years, right? Right before he hit the scene, I'm still a young guy. I'm still a young tyke running around, you know? And then all of a sudden, Bulls basketball became my best friend. You know, at the end of days, you know, nights down in the basement where it's just me and, 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 and Johnny Red Kerr and Tom Dore, right? Night after night after night, that was my routine. Going down to the basement and watching Bulls basketball until about 9.30, coming upstairs, making sure my homework was done. That was my routine. So from about, I'd say, 8990 right around there 8990 88 89 somewhere around there like right right around the time when Pippen and and Horace was introduced to the mix and BJ was drafted and then Will of course in 1990 like my guy Will Purdue like I watched the not just the introduction of Michael Jordan but the ascension of Michael Jordan as a kid right so now fast forward 30 35 years later and having watched the ascension, the introduction, and all those things, the championship um, foibles, the championship triumphs, all those things in LeBron James's career, I never, ever wanted to get into the conversation of who was better. I always got sucked into that lame-ass conversation. And that's exactly what it is now. Because if you're doing the who's better, Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, if it's just some kind of 
tacit, you know, exercise where we just got to do it just because, then it's lame. And it also makes me yearn for the the part of the NBA that I didn't get a chance to grow up in, the the, the pre-Jordan years when you had maybe five or six guys who could lay claim to who was the best player of all time. And the conversations were nuanced. And, you know, you know, people talked about Bernard King and what he was before the knee surgeries, right? People talked about the, the introduction of wing players, which Michael definitely uh, benefited from and took to another level. But it was all, you had to have a big, you had to have a point guard, and who, who was your wing? But before that, I mean, go back and look at some of Elgin Baylor's numbers, man. I would have loved to have grown up in, in the 50s and 60s. Well, hold on. I would have loved to have watched basketball in the 50s and 60s. <laughs> You know, uh, you know <laughs> something something about you know Jerry Jones screaming nigger over a crowd of white teenagers would have probably <laughs> dampered my spirits a little bit, but <laughs> oh man, <laughs> basketball. God damn, man. Are you gonna own America's team soon? <laughs> if something happens, are you gonna make these brothers <laughs> toe the line? <laughs> Respect the flag. So yeah, I don't I don't know if I would have wanted to grow up in the fifties and sixties, but I would have loved to have watched basketball back then. Loved it. You know, I mean, because think about it. Think about what happened with Will Chamberlain and how how people probably treated Will Chamberlain back then while he's putting up fifty-two and eighteen on a on a nightly basis. But since he didn't beat the fucking super team assembled by the Boston Celtics because of, you know, regionality and drafting and all those things. Like Bob Cousy went down he, he lived down the street from Boston Guard, so he was just their player. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like, think about what Will Chamberlain had to go through, right? Like he had Will what what he what what one? I think one title, maybe two. This is the most dominant big man of all time, right? He and Shaq, right there, neck and neck. But numbers wise, it's not even a, it's not even a question. And just think, Will Chamberlain and the way he got talked about, and then of course Bill Russell, who you know had some gaudy numbers, but Bill Russell had a whip. He had a crew. So so just think, the way that Will Chamberlain got talked about, all right, two titles for Will? All right, bet. The way that Will Chamberlain got talked about, <laughs> like, I would have loved to have seen that and be like, hey, y'all, do y'all, do y'all understand that this man is playing 50 minutes a night and is only 48 in the game? Like, like do y'all understand this man led the league in assists his last year in the NBA as a center? Right? We're sitting here marveling at Nikola Jokic and what he's doing in his sped-up game with all these possessions. This man was playing point center at the end of his career. So, yeah, I would have loved to have grown up in that era, and that's why I appreciate the history of the game because now, because of social media, everything, all the positive things that cable TV did for um, the imagination, the exploration, and the, the, um, the exposure of the NBA, and especially Michael Jordan, because let's face it, Michael Jordan came into the league in perfect storm, right? He had the shoe company situation where Nike was like, all right, we're going to put our money behind a player, right? Yeah, yeah, the NBA and David Stern slowly but surely marketing players and stars and, and faces rather than just teams. You know, I remember seeing this team versus this team on the Sunday game of the week, and then all of a sudden it went from that to Charles Barkley is going to be playing Isaiah Thomas. Y'all should watch. Like, he came in the league throughout through that part, and, of course, 
came in the league dominating, came in the league doing ridiculous stuff that a a a six six wing player just could you couldn't fathom, right? So all those things were the perfect storm to create the legacy that is Michael Jordan. And now all these players are playing under it. All these players are playing, you know, in that shadow. So the, the greatest thing that ever happened to the league was Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and what they did in terms of galvanizing the league and also, you know, what they did to, to bring like a boxing kind of vibe to, to the NBA where it's like, all right, you know what's happening. If, it, if it's one of the Mexican homies and one of the, and one of the white dudes getting ready to fight, you know what you're lining up with. If it's, if it's one of the Irish dudes and one of the brothers getting ready to fight, you know who you're lining up with. Whatever side you line it up on, you better line up on somebody's side. That's what that's what Bird and Magic did for the NBA. It feels gross that that was the jumping point for the NBA, but it no. kind of had to happen yeah. in order to galvanize the nation to watch yeah. it. Welcome to America. Kidding me? You had a league that was coked out black and fighting all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you, had a, you had a league forget, that Don't was, forget the gambling. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you got to throw the gambling in there for good measure, right? <laughs> yeah, you had that league that was scaring white folks away. Then all of a sudden, this, you know, this, this you know, young, you know, awesome, imagine, an imagination-filled um, shit-talking jump shooter from French Lick, Indiana, goes to Boston. <laughs> like it, it's, it can't be any more perfect. Can you imagine if, if Larry Bird is a, is a Laker and Magic Johnson is a Celtic? Can you imagine what would have happened? We we would have sit, been sitting here talking about how 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 pickleball is the third sport that everybody watches uh, besides baseball and football. Kidding me? You know what would have happened if Magic Johnson would have went to Boston and what would have well? Let me chill because there's too many jokes there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say the world. The United States is is more equal than it's ever been. If that happens, oh, can we put can we put all of this lack of progression that we sit here with in 2022 on the 1979 occurrence mm-hmm. of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird not ending up in in the opposite spots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Larry Bird goes out to L.A. You know, all that, all that, you know. All that running gun bullshit, all that shit comes to an end. Kidding me? We hitting jump shots and we talking crazy to people in half-court sets. All right? Magic goes to Boston. You know, all of a sudden, Paul Pierce isn't getting stabbed up in nightclubs. and, and Mo Jesse Vaughn, Jackson could have yeah, been president. Yeah, Mo, Mo Vaughn ain't getting beat up in, 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 in Boston. You know what I mean? You know, Boston dudes ain't running around gargling with the N-word. Like, things would be different. <laughs> what is happening? This this is going to be, this This is off the rails already. I, this is not how I planned on starting this pod, but I'm glad it's here. I'm happy it's here. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What up, world? 
it's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Who asked for these trophies to be renamed? Like, I know they got a committee, and they want young fans to be in tune with what's going on, but come on, what are we doing here? Like, and uh, Tony, can you, Jesse, can you pull up a list? Both of y'all pull up a list of the names and the, and the awards? Because this is the thing, man. I like the Larry O'Brien trophy is cool because dudes in the last decade started calling it the Larry. You know what I mean? Like, and then you go Larry look it up. Yeah, the Larry O'B trophy. Exactly. Like, you go look it up and, oh, okay, this is who Larry O'Brien was. Like, this, this, that, and the other. Now, all of a sudden, like, and, and also, this also tells me that, uh, Commissioner Silver is worried about, uh, connectivity in the demographic that he has to court right now. A lot of these kids out here playing Fortnite, out here on the Call of Duty streets with me, you know, they're consuming the NBA in a different way with Twitter and Instagram instead of watching the games. They're watching YouTube highlights, um, you know, and of course the the hard-nosed, hardcore hoop fans are going to watch the games. But this this tournament inside the season, the playing tournament, like all these things are are generated to spark interest in your product. You didn't have to do none of this when Mike was playing, right? <laughs> like you, you didn't have to do none of this when the Miami Heat. And that's the thing too: the the, the NBA needs a team to hate. The NBA needs you know rivalries. And, and Bomani Jones actually uh, went in depth on this on his pod the other day. Well, yeah, a couple of days ago, I should say. Uh, and it was great. It was great. And it's some of the stuff that we've been talking about here on this pod about the parity in the league. Like, you got about six, seven teams right now that that legitimately feel they can win the championship. Whereas before, it's always been around two or three. When you got Zion and the Pelicans running around crazy, you got the Memphis Grizzlies who are at the top of the West as well who know they can win without John Moran. So the league right now is in a, in a really healthy place. But star power-wise, and I had this conversation with my man, uh, my man Wayne, who uh, does a pod with Lil Rel now and does a whole bunch of Nike uh, hosting events, right? Like, he is the voice of Nike hosting, whether it be All-Star Weekend or out there in L.A., my man Wayne. And I had this conversation at Open Run Hoops Sunday morning, probably about three, four years ago. And I talked to him about what the league was going to go through when LeBron James decides to retire. And he was like, no, nah, there's a bunch of good players. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, listen, man, I'm not talking about the uh, athletic talent that's in the league. I'm not talking about the, the dudes who can put up numbers. I'm not talking. I'm talking about who can carry a league. We saw what happened when Michael Jordan retired in 1998. League for about a good three or four years. Even a little bit of a little bit of a, 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 a self-searching phase, right? Trying to figure out who that next person was going to be. Who was cuddly enough? <laughs> to be embraced by all the folks who's getting ready to spend money, who could put enough sentences together to make sure that the message would be embraced properly. Um, also, who could carry a league? Carrying a league is not easy. You know, doing shit when you don't want to do it, answering questions when you don't want to answer them, being the, the spokesman for a lot of things that have nothing to do with you personally. You know, Michael Jordan carried the league via commercialization via 
uh, all the endorsements. I mean, he carried the, the 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 league by actually being out there as one of the front pitchmen for all these companies. Next thing you know, you see all these people who are all right. Who is this dude in Chicago jumping over everybody and scoring fifty points at will? And of course, his personality grew. LeBron James. You're not going to see too many dudes come out of high school as polished as he was and then continue to refine himself as he goes along. And on top of it, this man grew up. He was the first social media all-time great. Like, think about that. The first one who grew up from the moment you saw him through social media as an all-time great. Now, also think about the fact that how many athletes can go through a 20-year career without major scandal? Right? Like, we're still talking about the, the yellow Hummer. <laughs> you know, we're still talking about the, the not six, not seven, not eight conversation that he had on a stage where they were partying and people were taking, like, Ted Koppel was fucking sitting down and interviewing him. Right? Like, he looked into the camera and, and told all the NBA greats that he was going to obliterate their records. He's sitting up there laughing and smiling in Miami knowing what the next four years of his life about to look like with Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, Pat Riley, and Eric Spolster. What the hell you think he's going to say? Oh, I hope we make it to the playoffs a few times. No, man, we're about to run it up. Like he should have said. Like you would want any, let Michael Jordan say, I'm here to win six championships, seven championships, H.A. Y'all would put pull memes out of y'all ass about the eye of the tiger and all this other bullshit. Like y'all would make him more of a god than he already is. So, you know, when we talk about carrying the league, we're about to see what it is, baby. You know, John Morant, Zion Williamson, sell some shoes, sell some tickets, sell some concessions because the league is getting ready to be yours. Like, we still treat Steph like he's 15 because he looked like it, but it may have been in the league 13 years. Like, the league's getting ready to be handed over to a bunch of young cats who are going to have a very, 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 tough undertaking. Can't just carry a league on the days you want to. Can't just stay out of trouble on the days you want to. You know, can't just, you know, have this scandal or that scandal. Hell, nowadays, you know, you're having extramarital affairs is a scandal. Can you imagine what would have happened to the 80s and 90s NBA if that was the case? I'll let that breathe for a minute. Because y'all know who I'm talking about and what I'm talking about. Right? So, yeah. So you can rename these things all you want. And, then, and by the way, let's get to the naming part. Let's get to the naming part. Can you run down some of the names of these awards for me and what the award uh, represents? So uh, the new names of the uh, individual NBA awards are as follows. MVP, the Michael Jordan Trophy. All right, so let's, let's, let's go one by one here. Does Michael Jordan have the most MVPs in NBA history? He does not. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has that distinction, correct? Correct. Okay, so when I first heard this, the first thing I thought of was Cap. Like, why don't you just name it after the dude who's got the most? Now, I also understand the play here. The NBA is trying to make sure that Michael Jordan is affiliated with it in as many ways out in front as possible. They saw what happened at that last celebration in Cleveland. They saw what happened when that man got called out there, you know, close to the last, if not last, he was the last guy called out, if I'm not mistaken, right? Was, or was it in alphabetical order? Was he the last dude? I think he was, one of, he was one of the last cats. He was he was the last one because he was coming from uh, Formula One, I, didn't, I think. Yeah, see, stunting on him, stunting on him still. <laughs> hey, by the way, I got, I got this racing team, so 
y'all might have to either put me last or postpone your entire event. <laughs> right? So Mike pulls up, gets the crazy ovation, and it even humbled him. You could even tell in that moment how uncomfortable he was with all of the adulation and the fanfare. Now, don't get me wrong. Mike likes to be Mike. He likes to be the center of attention, but in smaller confines. You feel me? If 30,000 people going, 25,000 people, whatever, that's, that stadium hole going crazy for you, that's a little bit different. And it was all of his peers, you know, all of his peers and the dudes he looked up to who were older than him standing right there waiting for him to come down that ramp. It was a special, beautiful moment. But the NBA knows what kind of pop they're looking for. And they, they know that they're going to continue to get that as long as that man is walking, breathing, and living. And even after that, you know, even after that unfortunate day comes, they're going to have his name on a trophy. I also think, I also think it's the NBA. <laughs> it's the NBA making sure that when Michael is no longer interested in running this Charlotte franchise, that he's going to be there handing that trophy off <clears throat> in what will look like a terrific photo op for every player that wins that MVP or just a message or something to that, you know, effect. But it's, it's shade. It's shade not giving it to somebody who isn't um, as connected to the league right now as Mike is. Because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is just, you know, he's a consultant, right? But he's just sitting around the crib, just, you know, you know, hopefully he's in good health. You name, you name the award after Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, nobody's going to put up a fuss. Nobody's going to be like, ah, this should have been named the Jordan Award. Nobody would have done that. But now what's going to happen is, see, that's the league admitting that he's the greatest of all time. They named the award after him. LeBron, situation done. Even our, even our socials at the place that I work at. Like, every time Michael is mentioned, it seems like it's a reason to bring up LeBron James, which is so weird to me. Because it's like, if he's better... When you think he's better, what's the conversation still about for you, right? You know, it's, it's like the conversations that don't affect me, I usually don't have them or aren't in them. If you think one guy is better than the other, what's the, like, you're not the first to have the conversation today, probably. <laughs> you're definitely not the first to have it, period. So what are you now bringing to the table other than some arbitrary-ass numbers or some stats that you put out of your ass to make sure that LeBron James will be filtered out of the conversation? Like, what are we really doing here, right? Let's move on. Can you tell me who the Defensive Player of the Year award is named after? The Defensive Player of the Year is the Hakeem Olajuwon Trophy. Sweet, right? Amazing. But when I think of Hakeem, like, when you think of Akeem, I mean, he's one of the greatest defenders of all time. Some of the quickest hands ever. Some of the best feet of all time. Shout out to his soccer background, right? Like, amazing. Ballet dancer out there. Greatest six foot nine, six foot ten center of all time. And still to this day, I don't think gets enough credit for being somewhere in that top 11, top 12 where he should be in terms of just overall talent. But I wouldn't have thought defensive player of the year that should be Akeem Olajuwon's. But guess what they did? They messed around. They messed around and, and named the trophy. Well, Bill Russell's trophy is for what, if I'm not mistaken? Because Finals, I, I, uh, finals, finals MVP. MVP, right? Yeah, because mm -hmm. all-star MVP is Kobe, right? Yep. So finals MVP, Bill Russell, 11 championships in 13 years. Can't really argue with that. You shouldn't argue with that, period. He's the greatest winner sport has ever seen. 
But they messed around and put his name on the finals MVP trophy already. So you can't double back and put it on the, on the defensive player of the year trophy. Because when I think defense, and I see that number six, that's why I thought it was so cool when Kenyon Martin burst onto the scene. Because he was number four at Cincinnati. He jumped into the league and he wore number six. I was like, oh, shit. Somebody's commemorating Bill Russell. Hope you can live up to it. So, yeah, like naming these trophies is not a big deal. But all it is is stir up conversation. And they knew exactly what they were going to do with that MVP trophy with the conversation surrounding Michael Jordan. If you believe Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time, I do not begrudge you at all. Like, I listen, you can. That's fine. Like, there's an argument to be made there. But I hate the people who don't. That there's any argument to be made. And I won't say hate the people because I'm doing exactly what I don't want to do. Uh, but I'll say this. I think that there is an argument for LeBron James to be thought of as the greatest overall talent of all time. And if you can be thought of as that, then we can get into these greatest player of all time conversations too, because then you have to put not only the talent down, but you have to put the feats down. I mean, dude's been to 10 finals and you could do all the these four and six and all this other stuff all you want. All I know is he went to eight straight finals. Like, with no break, okay? No time off, no respite. <laughs> you know, there wasn't no five-game first rounds. Like, like this is, this is a different task that he's had. And he's done it while staying healthy, while being the face of the league, while avoiding scandal. One, you know, wasn't any gambling issues, wasn't any of this, wasn't any of that. Man, this is not to to downgrade Michael Jordan because it's impossible to do so. But I just it's just a tired conversation. It's just a tired conversation that I wish we could grow past. And there are times that I wish I was in the pre-Jordan NBA fandom because then I would have more fun with these conversations. Like, I want to talk about Kevin Garnett versus Tim Duncan. I want to talk about Chris Webber versus Dirk Nowitzki. I want to talk about those kinds of conversations. But instead, all we do is cleave to these boring ass, at this point, archaic conversations about LeBron versus Jordan. And the NBA did themselves no favors. And maybe they did do themselves a favor for keeping this in the, uh, you know, on, on the tip of everybody's tongue. I just know I'm tired of talking about it. I don't know if y'all are tired of talking about it, but at some point, it's going to be LeBron versus somebody else, whether it be you know, the, 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 the Wimby, you know, the big Frenchie, the big French fry, whatever you want to call him. Like, there's going to be another dude. The game evolves. And, and LeBron's highlights are going to look like they were in black and white 30 years from now when we're talking about this, the next seven foot two point guard who could pull up from 40 feet and who also, you know, 290 pounds, right? Like, this is where the game is going to go at some point. When we start talking about the four-point line and the five-point line and, and, and the sixth player on the court, like, this is the evolution of the game. So don't be stuck in a dumbass time machine talking about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James while all these other great NBA conversations are out here to be had. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, 
you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. So, fellas, we don't talk a lot about Monday Night Football because usually games are ass. Um, I saw something last night that whenever we see it, we know what it is. And that was the Kyler Murray injury. Anytime you have a non-contact injury on a football field, the first thing you think of is ACL. And we come to find out that's exactly what happened to the young man. And you hate to see it in anybody's career. But I'm going to ask y'all both this question, and it may be rhetorical. You may want to take it, whatever. How many teams have a bleaker future than the Arizona Cardinals? You think about what, what's happened with the Cardinals over these last couple of years, right? <laughs> you, you, you fired Steve Wilkes after one year, got Josh Rosen out of there, got the number one pick, hired a coach who hadn't even gone 500 on the college level, uh, was the was getting ready to be the coordinator for the USC Trojans, if I'm not mistaken, and skipped a whole bunch of steps and got an NFL head coaching job. You then, you then hand the number one pick over to that coach, and there's some glimpses, there's some sparks, but not enough to make you think that this is going to be uh, a train that you got to get a hold of and ride for the next seven, eight years to glory. Fast forward two more years. We're sitting now in a situation where the Arizona Cardinals have a, I would say, a player that isn't trending upward right now. And that's before the injury. Because when's the last time we talked about Kyler Murray in the same vein that we talk about Trevor Lawrence, the same vein that we talk about Justin Herbert, in the same vein that we talk about Joe Burrow? Hell, in the same vein that we talk about Justin Fields. Like, when's the last time we talked about Kyler Murray in that? Yeah, we get a couple of eye-popping plays every other week. But this is a team who went out and got J.J. Watt, <laughs> went out and got DeAndre Hopkins, went out and drafted and put people around him, went out and got James Conner from Pittsburgh, went out and got Hollywood Brown from Baltimore, went out and drafted Trey McBride, who won uh, the, the Mackey Award for the, the college football's best tight end, right? They did everything that they were supposed to do, and they still can't score. So now you've got a $200 million contract that, let's face it, you know, anybody going to trade for, especially coming off an ACL. Not that you're going to trade him, but if things trend towards that. I was just looking at it last night and thinking to myself, man, it's funny how crazy and how shortly, and how short a time, I should say, it takes for things to change drastically. Two years ago, Kyler Murray, you know, <laughs> we were talking about this dude being one of them ones pretty soon here. And then 
the contract comes out with the stipulations of studying game tape and all that other stuff. Patrick Peterson, who everybody in the league respects, comes out and says the young man doesn't care about anybody but himself, which I'm sure is probably true about a lot more quarterbacks than Kyler Murray. But, you know, that's neither here nor there for the sake of this argument. It's just the NFL, I remember as a kid being a place where you had a five-year program with some of these coaches. And then it turned out you had a three-year program. And now it's pretty much you got one or two years, sometimes one. And if that one ain't fruitful enough, your ass is out of here. Look year to year, right, playboy. They got Steve Kahn resigned. They got Cliff Kingsbury under the foe. And they got Kyler Murray. They, the three most important people in that building all are trending downward. All of them. And if you look at it, the bleak futures that are out there, if it's for this year or next year, they're all in line for a quarterback, whether it be Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, the, the, the kid from um, Florida who everybody loves. I saw it was and Anthony Richardson. <laughs> I saw I saw somebody write the other day that uh that the Baltimore Ravens just mess around and stare Lamar Jackson in the eyes and <laughs> go draft the Florida kid and show him that they could do it again with with the same kind of player. And I'm like, all right, do that if you want to. Go ahead and do that if you want to. <laughs> they are looking an MVP in the face and being like, we don't have to pay you. <laughs> like, that's amazing to me. Can you imagine? Can you, like, can you imagine Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes being told, hey, thank you for the MVP. And thank you for taking this team to the playoffs when the, the offense wasn't built around you, to say the least. It was Joe Flacco's offense. And then all of a sudden, you got in here and took us to the playoffs. You saved a special teams coach. You saved his gig. Remember what we were saying about John Harbaugh before Lamar Jackson got there? Okay. And they have stared this man in the face and said, hey, go get your bread elsewhere because <laughs> you run too much for us. <laughs> it's, it's part of the reason why, low-key, High key. I want Jalen Hurts to win the MVP. One, it'll fulfill my uh, Justin Fields fantasies, right? Of, hey, this could be Justin soon. And we could be Philadelphia Eagles fans, except for more class and better style in a greater city. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that's my dream, is for this whole thing to be the, you know, we're, we're watching the, you know, we're watching the movie that has already been done about our lives. We're just watching it before it comes out. And that's, that's Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Like, go out and trade for somebody's A.J. Brown, right? Like, go out and get yourself a couple of really good tight ends. Go and fortify that line. Go ahead and draft yourself a Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver. You know, do all those things. I hope Jalen, and more importantly, that league don't change unless somebody changes it. You remember what happened when Drew Brees got to the Chargers? You know, Marty Schottenheimer was like, you're going to hand this ball off. <laughs> you got LaDainian Tomlinson back here. We traded you for the, you know, that, 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 that fellow that's going to get in trouble for dogfighting to Atlanta. You know what I mean? We, we got you on the fold. We would let you throw the ball 20-some-odd times a game because you're short. I remember watching Drew Brees at Purdue, good old number 15, throwing the ball all around the yard for Cowboy Joe Tiller's offense and thinking, man, one day, short quarterbacks go and get a chance because it was always Doug Flutie and then everybody else, right? Drew Brees comes into the mix. Big hands, big feet, big platform, great athlete, makes up for his size. Then Russell Wilson gets drafted. Like, guys like that start to get, you know, more looks and 
you know, hand size and, and, and foot size become more important than height. Hence, drafting a five foot nine Kyler Murray. The reason why I hope Jalen Hurts is that guy and the MVP this year is that these GMs and these front offices and these scouts won't just run away from mobile quarterbacks. You know, what's happening in Philadelphia right now is this is what, this is what can be done when your coaches not only have the uh, intuition, but the creativity and the balls to, to put a weapon back there and say, be a weapon. It's the only sport that has a line of protection for the most important player on the field. I understand where you're supposed to win from, but that was all those years when brothers wasn't allowed to be quarterbacks and be themselves, right? Like, we got to the point where brothers could be quarterbacks, but it was like, ah, stay your black ass in that pocket, though. You know, like, calm down. And then Steve Young started to run around a little bit and make it cool for everybody. Meanwhile, Randall Cunningham's out here winning co-MVPs and, and doing it with Calvin, was it, Fred Barnett and Calvin Johnson out there at the wide receiver position. You know, Keith Jackson and them boys at the tight end. Like, there are more Randall Cunninghams, not only in the league, but coming to the league. There are more dudes who are 5'11", 6'1". Hell, Bryce Young is getting ready to be the number one pick in the NFL draft this year. Bryce Young ain't 6'6". Bryce Young don't stay in the pocket at all times. Now he's got a great, great um, processing mechanism where that dude doesn't really have to... He, he doesn't get sped up on the college level, which to me, you know, if you dominate at each level, then I expect you to come into the next level and do the same. Like you're doing up against the best of the best on your level and you're doing what you need to do. I expect him to do the same thing in the NFL. Of course, he's going to take his rookie lumps and his second year lumps. But at some point, he's going to be the quarterback I think that everybody expects him to be. But this is not some big dude. This is not some tall guy. But it's also a guy who can get out and move around a little bit. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm hoping for Jalen Hurts to win this NFL MVP this year just so he can open up some of the minds of the quarterback coaches and the offensive coordinators and the scouts and GMs alike that, you know what, we know that, that, that they should and can win from the pocket, but everything ain't clean. You know, you, you go back and look at form tackling drills and all that other stuff, man, try to form tackle somebody in the NFL right now. You got to get their ass down by any means necessary. You have to do everything you have to do outside of horse collar tackling somebody to get them down. It's the same thing with offensive football. You, you mean to tell me uh, I get a clean pocket for two seconds and I got to make every read? No. We get out here and play a little sandlot football and win a championship. You have Patrick Mahomes running towards the sideline and no look passing the ball over his shoulder for a completion and everybody clapping about it because of how the, the wizardry that is taking place. No, no, that's, that's just improvisation. Improvis improvisational skills with a guy who's a great athlete. So I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts to win the NFL MVP this year, you know, over Patrick Mahomes, even though Patrick Mahomes probably has a better uh, argument to be made because of the team that he has around him as opposed to what Jalen Hurts has around him because that kind of guy has to succeed for other guys to be able and allowed to succeed. For the guys who aren't the statuesque six foot six quarterbacks back there who have gone to every passing camp and they're dropping back with their hair blown in the wind and, you know, anticipatory skills off the chain and big arm and delivering the ball right in the pocket, right in the, you know, right on target. No, sometimes you got to make, you know, you got to make chicken salad sometimes. And a lot of these NFL offenses, a lot of chicken salad to be made. 
we talk about the, there are not enough quarterbacks to go around. There ain't enough left and right tackles to go around the NFL either. Your quarterback will be under pressure. So as we get ready to watch Justin Fields again this, this week against, <laughs> against that squad, against Jalen Hurts, against that Philadelphia Eagles defense, yeah, I, I, I'm happy with where the NFL is trending. Right now, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of mid. And you know why it's a lot of mid? Because there aren't enough quarterbacks to go around. You know why there aren't enough quarterbacks to go around? Because you haven't been widening the talent pool enough. You haven't been opening up your scouting eyes enough to say that, you know what, a guy who's been running around his entire life probably is going to be more adept at taking those hits and trying to get out of harm's way than a guy who's sitting back there in the pocket waiting for his knees and ankles to be collapsed on. Eh, that's just my thought. Mr. Fool, go in all right, so last part, I know I said what I said about like real conversations versus Twitter and social media conversations. Like how many of those are you engaging in and how many of the social media ones do you engage in that actually you know, like cross over into real life conversations? I don't care if y'all not having this conversation in real life or not. I'm just glad that Twitter brought it to me. Are you guys privy to Drake's new chain? If you're not, I'm going to explain it to you. Drake has a new diamond chain uh, that he has added to his collection, ladies and gentlemen. And it isn't just any diamond chain. It is a diamond chain with 42 engagement rings on it. So not the ring, but the diamond that would be the centerpiece of an engagement ring. And the reason why Drake decided to make this chain because the chain is called Previous Engagements. He says it's about the 42 times that he wanted to propose but didn't. <laughs> Tony, were you, were, you, were you aware of this? Yeah. <laughs> it's hey, getting harder no, no, no. and harder. No, 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 no. Fuck that. And I don't care about all the think pieces that may come after I say what I'm about to say. You know, hey, I'm right here at The Ringer and Spotify is the gang. See how I try to get that cover real quick? Yeah. So, yeah, man. This is the most light-skinned shit that you will see in this calendar year. And I know we only got about, I know we only got about 18 more days in the year. <laughs> hey, by the way, white friends, don't say this, okay? <laughs> in fact, don't even go up to a light-skinned person and ask them what I'm saying. Just giggle in your car or on your walk or on the treadmill to yourself and pretend like, you know, you can be a part of this joke. But this is the most light-skinned shit I have seen in this entire year. This man made a 42 351.38 carats in diamonds on this chain <laughs> for the 42 times that he wanted to propose but didn't. Okay? 42 times. Now, <laughs> I, I, I've heard of toxicity before, but not only can it possibly be the most light-skinned thing and the most toxic thing at the same time? Because what if you are one of the various women who has ever made their way into Drake's heart? Like, are you thinking to yourself, damn, 
I could have got mine. <laughs> but then do you think shortly after that, it was 41 others? Like, I thought it was only maybe like four or five. And, you know, the young lady he took to Dodger Stadium and, <laughs> and Rihanna, like Venus. No, not Venus. Sorry, Venus, for putting you in this. Serena, you know, like, <laughs> you know, you know, the, the, the majors, right? No pun intended, right? You know, the, the most famous people. But like, is this, is this Courtney from Hooters on Peachtree? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, 42 of them? 42? Like, I... How does he come to that number? <sighs> you know, he's... You know he keeps a journal. You know what I mean? You, you know Drake journals, right? And shout out to all the men out there in the journal. I've tried to, but I always end up going back and looking at him like, oh, you're a bitch. And then, like, slamming it shut real quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> You be toxic to yourself. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I bully myself all the time. Like toughen your bitch ass up. <laughs> Is that a tear at the end of that page? <laughs> Knock it off. Be a man. <laughs> Screaming at yourself while you're writing, right? No, but man, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he knows, right? But this is this is the question I have. <laughs> you know we. Jesse's situation is different, right? You are already married. So I'm going to ask you this. I, I have been engaged now twice, okay? Inside of my second engagement, obviously, first engagement didn't, didn't work out. Um, I am never going to get engaged again, which, you know, isn't, isn't hard to understand or even fathom, right? Because things work out, I'll be married and Mwah, chef's kiss the rest of my life. But doing it twice, <laughs> like you, you understand the pitfalls and the pressures and all that other stuff. I can't imagine <laughs> if this is true, being a single man who also <laughs> has the luxury of being Drake. So I don't know where like the cutoff happens, if all 42 of these happened before so far gone or like, like where we at with it, right? Like did take care, was he at like, Proposal 27, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what really was going on here? Oh, no, I'm going to get these jokes off. This shit, I laughed for at least seven minutes when I saw this today. So at what point do you pull the trigger on any of those, by the way? Like, are these proposals that were uh, turned down? Are these proposals and engagements that he actually was a part of? And then, you know, they kind of just floated away magically because, you know, being a single you know, certified lover boy probably wasn't the lifestyle that the young lady that he was proposing to wanted to be with. Like, how do you, how do you, there aren't 42 people that I have loved in my life. <laughs> Never mind 42 women that I have met and then fallen in love with. And I'm talking about 42. I know I have more than 40 family members. You feel me? And, and maybe 15 of them can make the I love you cut. Can you imagine can you imagine just walking around and being like, I'm going to propose and then thinking that 42 times and then making a chain out of it just so people could ask you, hey, nice chain, looks kind of gaudy. Is that 42 diamonds in it? Oh, by the way, it is 42. It's for every engagement I wanted to have. Come on, man. He playing a different game than all of us. All of us out here are playing checkers. Drake is running around out here playing chess. 
42 engagement rings. At the same time, it makes him toxic. It makes him like a lovable, like sympathetic figure. Like, oh, look how look how in love Drake can be. What? <laughs> 42 engagements? Tony, what went into your proposal, my man? Like, what 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 kind of strength did you have to muster up to uh to to get down on one knee, or did you get down on one knee? I did, I did. Yeah. I had a photographer uh, uh, and all look that. At you look at you, yeah, man. Did it, uh, did did it nice. I did, did it in it the high nice. rise. Mm. Um, but yeah, man. Nah, I mean, have you I ever like, had hey. you ever thought about proposing before you proposed the step? Nah, <laughs> nah. Nah, hard man. no. That's all. Yeah, hard no. Hard no. See? Man, that's that's a that's a tough one to to delve into thinking yes. wise on anybody. It's like you you know, right? I mean, unless like Drake meets a lot of people, right? So his pool of people like would outweigh all of ours combined. But yeah. to have to go to as far as to think you're going it, to marry. You're going 42 to marry 42 people. people. <laughs> That's insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse, how'd yours go, my man? Uh, so uh, mine, we're big Disney nerds and theme park people. So we yeah, actually, I proposed that uh, Walt Disney World, but it almost didn't happen because I proposed in front of Ariel's, ca- Ariel's Castle, which Ariel's my fiance's favorite Disney character. Okay. I was trying to take a picture, right? To get it to her friend. She didn't want to take a picture. So it almost didn't happen because she didn't want to take a picture. So... My mom yeah. convinced her and, you know, happened. Got all yeah. the congratulations and she cried a river. And of course. It was nice. But yeah, yeah I can't. Did you get free stuff? Did you get some free stuff? You yeah, know what? We, we went to eat at like one of the fancy restaurants there and they hooked us up with like our table with like free dessert. Okay. So it wasn't, you know, they didn't like hook us up, hook us up, but we did get free dessert. Yeah. And then every now and then, like, you know, we had like the, we're, in, we're just engaged pins. So we mm-hmm. get like a, every like couple men and like every, I think we got a couple like free pins. Yeah, just Jesse and his lady like walked that. around with them joints for a week <laughs> outside of <laughs> Disney World too. <laughs> hey, Danny, don't you want to give us a shot, bartender? Damn straight, <laughs> damn straight. We know. Uh, I mean, so next time we go hard. back, we'll wear it again. It's the least. It's the least that could happen for you, right? You said it got yeah. married. It was in front of Ariel's castle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember. I remember the Little Mermaid uh, DVD box set. That my sister got uh, as a well VHS box set as a kid, right? And uh, I was just wondering the whole time, like, why is it a castle of di- the full goal with Jason Golf? That's all the time we have for episode 185 of the Full Goal Podcast. And I truly, truly appreciate you for listening to this one. Boy, oh boy, we uh we had ourselves a time. And by we, I mean me, because this entire time I, I can hear the tightening of the sphincters by both Jesse Lopez and Tony Gill. Don't worry, boys. I will keep us afloat as long as I possibly can. Hey, it's bye week and they about to get stomped out by the Eagles. So <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what yeah, do you yeah, want yeah. us to do? Exactly. What, do, you, what, what right. do we need to cover? <laughs> right. We, we out here working with our C material <laughs> or D material if you listen to all of the pod. All right. We appreciate you for hanging out with us. Uh, our production staff, <laughs> the shadowy figure that is known as Papa Steve Cerruti, the always active Jesse Lopez, my main man, Tony Gill. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff. Thanking you for downloading this thing. Thanking you for subscribing to this thing. Thanking you for rating and reviewing this thing. Sharing it with your family and friends. Whatever you do for this pod, I truly, truly appreciate what you do. Until Thursday, 
we'll, we'll talk a little Eagles Bears and we'll also try to figure out what the hell's going on with the Bulls as they have a back to back situation with the New York Knicks. And maybe we'll jump into the Major League Baseball hot stove because, you know, it's over and that's the perfect time for the Sox to jump in. So we'll talk about the Sox and the Cubs and how apathetic you are as a fan of those two teams here in this city and much more on Thursday. So we'll catch you then. If you want to leave us a voicemail, 773-359-3103 is the phone number. Until then, we leave you with this as always. Take care of each other. Be safe. They take his nickname from him. <laughs> It'd be like Irvin Conventional Johnson. <laughs> Irvin Conventional Johnson is wild. <laughs> oh, shit.